Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides. I'm your host, show creator and narrator, Aubrey Lydon. Uh, welcome back to episode 10 of season three. With me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Chester wants dice. What? Uh, maybe just going to quickly roll to see who gets to interrupt Aubrey first. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. Six. Ah, oh, damn it. Welcome, BJ. I'll use that role later. Hi, my name is BJ. <laughs> <laughs> my name is BJ. I play Alistair Stern. Uh, he got a bit angry in the last episode, didn't he? Mm. A, little, a, little bit, a little bit shouty. A little bit angry. A little bit shouty. A um, crisscross applesauce. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of hot cross bun, Alistair. Um, because he's because he's cross. Yeah, it's. A, I got it. Yeah, it's. A, it's I a, did get it. Okay. It was just bad. Okay. Uh, yeah, fair enough. It was. Uh, and on on that terrible disappointment, Chester. Hello. Thank you. I will take this terrible disappointment and I'll make it worse. Hi, I'm Chester. I play every character that isn't played by Aubrey and BJ. Actually, no, that's very true, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Ones that aren't played by everyone else. <laughs> um, I play those ones. Um, some are fan favorites. Some aren't. Um, some are just earnest. Some are just earnest. Um <laughs> Yep, uh, Ernst didn't really get mad last episode. He just was passive-aggressive for most of it. Um, yeah, uh, it is a, a brisk little Saturday afternoon. Uh, we are in our new recording room. And I'm just you know thinking back to the, the, the those season one days of the sitting battle in that, days. Sitting in that very hot uh, spare room back at the old house. Uh, because there was like half windows, that room. It was always raining. And upstairs. Yeah, upstairs. Reason. I just remember those Saturday. Uh, we usually recorded on Saturdays, we didn't we? Tuesdays. No, we, Tuesday we nights. On Tuesday? I think we started Saturdays yeah. and then we moved to Tuesdays. Because Saturday, that was when I was in full time still. Yeah. yeah. You know, thinking back, we're in, a, we're in a different space, we're in a different house, still sort of doing the same thing. But nothing's yeah, changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing's yeah. changed. It's cool. Yeah. It's. I think uh, historically, a lot of the the projects, at least that Chester and I have made, have been either like short things or like series that have been short or come to the come to an end or like one off things. So it's cool to be to be doing something that's gone on for a long time and hopefully will continue to. But here's a question: Instead of starting with, with fun facts, I thought before we jump into the episode, we've got three minutes before we reach our ten minute quarter. Um, <laughs> what is something that you really enjoyed or appreciated about those that first, specifically the first season of Dark Tides, that you'd like to see more of as we continue recording? Mm. Going back to your roots, uh, respect for my creative vision. You get far too much respect. I, I we respected disagree. you in the beginning. <laughs> I could throw things at you, and you're like, oh. Oh, I have to. What am I going to do about this? Whereas now it's like, nah, that doesn't happen. I just do my own thing. <laughs> no, I don't like that. So it's not real. That's what happens now. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's all all three seasons so far have been so different. I liked the um, fear of the unknown in a way that. Not like actual fear of the unknown, but like that Chester and I went into in some of those early episodes because we had no idea what was planned. Mm. Um, went away from that a little bit and like planned more together. And then now season three is kind of like a mix of both. Um, yeah. So it's and I feel like we still have that and we've had it all the way through. But uh, yeah, it's it's always exciting to sit down and record and go, I have no idea what Aubrey's going to throw at us today. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I feel like where we have now is a good balance mm. because there's lots of things that Chester and I have no idea about and then there's a lot of things that we're like, oh, we're going to get to this point eventually or we're going to get to this point. Um, yeah. 
and l- like the collaborative stuff we're doing at the moment too is quite cool. So yeah, yeah but yeah, I, that's that, that'll probably be my answer. I miss not every character being angry at me. I miss not every character being played by Chester. Do you think that that's maybe a consequence of the way that Ernest has acted? Got him! As opposed to just that the characters now don't like you. No, I think it's mostly just the characters. Mm. Alistair's not angry at you. Mm. Which you're, you're very angry at Alistair, but yeah, Alistair's but not let, angry let, at you. Let's, let's, at the risk of continuing this pre-episode ramble. Uh, some of that was, talk, was, c- was cut out stuff. The first yeah. character that didn't like you... Okay, f- season one, was there anyone that didn't like you? Only Gina. Uh, Gina, Mastern... Messen just secretary. didn't know who you were, and then that character never really. I don't. I I remember you set that character up like yes, yes. His secretary is standing behind him. His name is this and we, this. We, it was going to be a description of him. Then we re-recorded that him. episode, and everybody's like, "It's just Messen." <laughs> That's true. Because there was, I think I was going to have a thing where he was going to betray Messen or something. There was some plan I had. Turns out Messen didn't I, need someone to betray him for his office to fall apart. He yeah. could do that all on his own. I think. That was most of what it was. Oh, your phone is- I just put it on silent, so I don't understand. Going off a lot. Um, no, I think it started with the fact that in season two, Heath didn't like him, and oh, Puck yeah. was kind of like, eh, but then because then it spiraled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once I stopped liking me, everyone did. Like- I think it was yeah. You had a pa- you had a character that's, in that's power. That you was did this to yourself. Me. It was Heath all along. I like it when people on TV make fun of people who aren't me. <laughs> You're stupid. Chester liked in season one where he didn't play a character where he had to argue with himself. Mm. Now he's making his own life hell. You've heard of Inception. Now welcome he... to having an argument with yourself that's not in the shower. It's actually on a podcast. He can't get out of it. All right. In the last episode, mm. you left Ravenholm yep. in um, a squad of four. You split into teams of two. Split the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernest going with Puck and Alistair going with Nancy mm-hmm. and you were going to two different locations in the hope of finding Marv. We both found Marv. You both found Marv. <laughs> Mission complete. We've got Marv. Wait, no, we've got Marv. Shit. <laughs> in different locations. There we go. That was episode 10, everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> episode 11, the journey home. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. also a cat lizard from the Faye question mark, maybe? Oh, it was more like a, a plant cat. Yeah. I didn't... I. I it might have been lame to do. It's a. It was a dandelion, which is like a <laughs> dumb home fruit. Oh no! But I started describing. No! It and I was like, mm, did you I really need to it. do that? <laughs> Look, it might turn off again. I'm, I'm mad at how good that is. <laughs> it's not a. It's not a me original thing. It's just some Reddit. I'm even more mad stuff. about that. <laughs> it's dandelion, the last one of the season. It's your last answer of your season. <laughs> but yes, you found two different Marvs. It's the uh, last filler episode of the season. <laughs> There, Sorry, there's I'm your role. Stop now. That was your yeah. Role. That was my role. That was cool. I will never um, interrupt Robbie again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see about that. Yes, you found two different Marvs in very different states of mind and seemingly from different periods of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we'll jump back in, Mister Pop. <laughs> We open on Marv's small cottage amongst the dead trees. There are lights at the windows, a curl of smoke coming out of the chimney. Uh, the the wood stove is on. Ernest, Puck, and Marv sit around a small, round 
dining table that is neatly laid with a cloth. Uh, he has got plates, uh, very mismatched plates, uh, and given both of you some of his macaroni and cheese. Um, and you are, there's soft light and a gentle kind of crossfade, like crossfade pans of you guys having a good conversation. Yes, lots of laughing. Um, and Ernest, make an arcana roll for me. What type of demon is this? Uh, unnatural 12. With an unnatural 12, uh, as you were sitting in an armchair with a book, uh, just enjoying the afternoon, you realize that you don't know how long you've been here for. You realize that you don't remember sitting down at the table or, for that matter, sitting down in this armchair. You haven't had a conversation with Marv. You don't really understand what's going on and your gut instinct kicks in. Puck had tackled him, right? Yeah, that was I think you, are, you are in some kind of weird little bubble of reality. Ernest like, closes the book, places down, stands up. I... I'm going to start breaking things. And he's going to flip the chair over that he was on. I swear, <laughs> Ernest is just Alistair. And like every episode we record, he just gets closer to Alistair. And he's going to flip it over and he's going, Puck! No, you flip it. Puck! You flip it over. And as you're yelling, Puck, uh, you you then you're like you close your eyes and you open them and you're playing checkers with Marv. And you're like putting a piece forward and you're yelling, Puck! Like, and you stop and you realize that there is no flipped over chair. You're still, you're just now in a different place. You're now wearing like a comfy sweater. Wait. No, King me, King me. I, all right, man. I, you, good game. Looks down at himself. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's like feeling the fabric. He's kind of like, like stand up. And so, that was an illegal move. Nah, I swear. Yeah, well, you can't jump three pieces in a row. Wait. Sonny, I think you'll find no, I can. You can. Exactly. See? Wait a second. <laughs> Picks up the cup. I asked for chamomile tea. This is black tea. I don't have any Puts chamomile. Back down. So who did you say you were again? Wait a second. Oh, he flips rule the board. Of three is nice. <laughs> he flips the board. Back! You, yeah, you are you are in some kind of weird little reality loop that is just trying to keep Good. you in this uh, mood, in this space of a contented it's light dinner mood. Yeah, a contented rainy Sunday afternoon with not much to do, um, and you can feel it almost like aggressively trying to impart this sense of light boredom. But calm and, and just trying a sense to make of me into a lo-fi live stream. Very much. I just I would like to take this moment to recognize that Aubrey has turned that lazy feeling on a Sunday afternoon into a monster in this podcast, and I'm all for it. <laughs> and you can feel it clawing at your yeah. mind, Ernest, trying to sedate you into this. Ernest like gets back up off the chair. He's like, mm. Marv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you call like me to, Marvin? Marvin, would you like to any gestures to the door? Watch the 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 rainfall with me. That sounds that sounds like a nice time. Sounds delightful. Come, come. Let me get my slippers. I'll I'll fetch the umbrella. Ernest takes the umbrella from the <laughs> side of the door and opens the door and swings it open. Uh, you now realize you're wearing matching sweaters. Ah, oh, that's nice. Thank Puck, you. Puck is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, in he's this. Kind of, his eyes are kind of darting around, but he's kind of like she was at to the keep table. 
She was at the table before, but she's not here now. Yeah, uh, opens the door and gestures for Marv. Mm-hmm. You step there. outside. Do yeah. a step outside. <sighs> you can see now that this the yard, while still full of trash, full of bits and bobs and things, the grass is long and green. There's kind of wildflowers planted along uh, the the row of washing machines against the fence. Uh, you can see that there are no dead trees here. Uh, there is a gentle rain falling. And from here, you can see uh, one of the sheds. And in the, the two open uh, doors of the shed, you can see uh, Puck is sitting on an overturned crate playing with a very young dog that looks like it could have once been number 12. Uh, and she's like scratching it behind the ears and it's rolling over. Um, it would have been number two or something. This is... Yeah, be well, you don't know. Okay. Just a dog. One, one of the numbers. A la- it looks like a Labrador Collie cross. Nurse is looking out of the umbrella, the sound, the rain pattering on the umbrella. So, Marvin, mm-hmm. how have you been? I've been good. Things have been good. He sits down in like the you can see the chair that he's sitting in. They're very mismatched. There's one that's like a big wicker um, peacock kind of chair, and the one that he's sitting in looks like it's been made out of like decking boards. And it's one of those old school kind of lake house. And he sits down and he's filling a pipe. Going, ah, things have just been quiet. I've been enjoying the rain. Mm. This, yeah. It's been some good time to just uh, think and, and do some resting. Um, I saw on the, the table a few crosswords. Do you like puzzles? Oh, yeah, from time to time. So long as you know it's, not, uh, it's nothing too taxing. Hmm. Well, would you like... And he's going to sit down across the way from him and face him. Would you like to solve a mystery with me? Just a simple one. Yeah, mystery sounds a little more challenging, but... Uh, no, a puzzle, a puzzle. Sorry. Sure. So, anecdote. I'm anecdote? trapped... Antidote? Anecdote. Anecdote. I'm trapped in uh, a relationship that's like... Uh, whatever I do, whatever I say, I always feel like everything's just brought back to the you know like the same point, and I never feel like I can progress. I never feel like I can get forwards. How would like if you were in that situation? How would you get out of a situation where no matter what you did, you always feel like you come back to step one? Hmm. Hmm. You have the board laid out in front of you. I think that I would. Put it in a cupboard for a while. The game, mm-hmm. the board laid out, and put it in a cupboard for a while. And I'd take a walk. Maybe I'd come back to it later with a fresh perspective. If it was a relationship, I would probably leave. Mm. Um, I would assume that uh, I was never meant to be happy or that I was, you know, uh, any good for anyone. So I'd probably give up. Yeah. So you think... The, the thing to do is to take yourself off the board. Yeah, if you take yourself off the board, you're not a bother to anyone, you can just stay in your own little corner and, and, and life can be good in your own corner because you're not going to have to bother anyone and no one's going to bother you and you can just you can just have a little have a little think about things and, and not have to worry too much. Okay. Uh, Ernest is going to pull his pistol from his pocket, point at his head and say... You pull out the revolver, you spin uh, the barrel? What's the Um, cylinder? Cylinder, You spin the cylinder, click, 
uh, you point it at your own head and bang. And you are falling in blackness and you land in an inch of dark water. You are in the dreaming. Uh, back. <laughs> it leans up. I've never wished to be anywhere else more than every time I'm here at the moment. What do I see? Uh, you tell me. What do you see? Ernest um, gets up, folds arms, and like leans up. Uh, and a, a crow squawks and takes off. Uh, and he sees a few of them kind of like... There's no border to it, but there's kind of the point where you can't see much further and you can see they're almost like they're blurring the horizon. There's so many of them off in the distance. We talked about like the the mist Mm. stuff too. So it's like just beyond that. Uh, And he sees it flock down and land amongst others, causing them to spook and to flutter around a bit. He looks around and once again, he sees the man in an old suit with long hair playing with the the dreaming like it's sand. He's like, yeah, yeah, well, you're not good. Tell me anything that's not just a riddle. Um, he's going to stand back up and click his finger again, and uh, like a bedside lamp appears on like a table to illuminate the area a bit. Well, I don't think I killed myself. Because your gun doesn't have bullets, right? It doesn't so. have bullets. Did I win? Hey, did I win? He calls out to the, the man sitting a ways off. No. Comes back. Great. Great. Kicks the, the, the warrior a little bit and sits down in his, uh, his easy boy. That appears as he's as sitting he sits down. down. He like reaches out and takes a cup of tea from the, yeah. from the thing and <laughs> sips again. Yeah, I'm doing it. And he uh, like makes a, a yoga mat appear like up from the ground, and he starts just trying to like relax. And he's doing different yoga poses and stretching, and he's like humming to himself. Like one with of his those eyes little, closed. Um, oh, what are they, the little atomizer like aromatherapy lamps? Yeah. Is there? Mm, lavender. There's a stretch to one side. Oh, that's a bit. Ah, that, that's where the tension is. Ah, he like starts massaging the a spot like below one of his shoulder blades. Yeah, okay. This isn't helping. He stands back up, hands on hips. It's like, uh, who, who are you? <laughs> he gestures at the man again, and the man still plays with the sand. That did require an answer. It wasn't a. What's the name for a question that doesn't um, need an answer? A book, like, <laughs> appears on the yoga mat that says rhetorical question. <laughs> on the top. Rhetorical like, questions and how to ask them. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, that's... Nah, that's the one. Yeah, rhetorical question. That wasn't a rhetorical question. That was, that was a proper one. The man looks over his shoulder slightly and he sees once again those red glowing eyes. And smiles and says, I am... Uh, I am your guest. Nurse frowns. Uh, I'm a parasite, basically. I'm only here. I don't have a soul. I'm only here because you're here. I only exist here when you're here. I'm piggybacking off you, basically. Right. Okay, so you're going to help me with this process here. I'm trapped in a loop, but I think I've broken the loop by coming here. The man turns around and folds his like hands. Yes, I saw you were trapped in a loop with Marvin. 
Alistair's uncle. You're trapped in a loop with a version of the man from several years in the past. Means he's most likely being affected by the time spread, or if he's being affected by this, there's a possibility that it's not your uncle at all, and is in fact some form of a cryptid trying to slow you down. Or, as considering the archipelago and its current effects due to things uh, is yet to be entirely mapped out, it is entirely possible that the location you have entered is the root cause of this point, and simply Marvin is trapped within it already, and now you are hosts there with him. For instance, your your clothing changed by will, and typically by his will. It aligned with him, so maybe his appearance is in alignment with what he wants to be at this moment. It's not you're seeing a younger him, but you're seeing him when he was his happiest, or him when he was more full. You're seeing him where he wanted, so maybe it's been playing on him long enough that his will now has a level of control over it, so you need to convince him that he wants to get out. You are not the originator. You are not the one who can step off the board. He has to step off the board. Okay. Right. That's difficult because he's if he's the originator of the cause, he doesn't want to get out. And the creature opens his hands like, yes, you're the one who talks to people. You're the one who convinces people of things. Talk to him. Convince him. That's your job. You're not the aggressor. You're the talker. Poet. That's <laughs> like backs off a bit. It's like, all right, all right, I'll do it. Okay, I know, I know. He like clicks and the light goes out and he opens his eyes back at the table. We return now to Alistair. Alistair, you are um, at this ab- long abandoned, long abandoned mm-hmm. military depot on the water. You are staring down a very irate and very disheveled, disheveled, mm. shifting, uncomfortable Marv who looks older than you've ever seen him, uh, and in much worse state than you've ever seen him. He seems almost beside himself, but trying to suppress it, like there is some um, itch that is something that's eating at him. Mm-hmm. As he shuffles from feet to feet, he's still leveling a harpoon gun at you. Great, because uh, I, I just put my weapons down and. He said that, that something was coming or that we didn't have much time. He said that there was not much time and this was you picked a bad time. Can I roll a, a paranormal knowledge on him? Sure. On, on Marv. That's a 10. You're pretty sure this isn't some kind of a doppelganger situation. You're pretty sure that this is Marv, um, but it's not Marv like you've ever seen him and he seems like something is wrong. Um, but you don't think that what's wrong is originating in him. You think that... that Something has got him spooked, something has got him scared, or he is under the thrall of something. Um, and as you are making this assessment, he already seems to be losing focus on you. As he uh, kind of shoes an arm at you, it's like, I don't have time for this, Alice, you just better go. I've got the tides coming in, I've got things to do. And he, he, I'm here to help, Marv. What are we fighting? Well, not, well, Tell me what the situation is. The situation is I'm busy, and he turns on his heel. And he starts striding towards um, the shed where you had seen the prow of a boat sticking in. Okay, Alice is going to pick up his gun and put it back in the holster and holster his knife as well. And he's going to follow Marv. He's like, yeah, I know you're busy. I'm busy too. We're all busy. 
What's what's happening? What's, what are you busy with? A rescue mission, Alistair. Always a rescue mission. There's always somebody else in trouble and something I've got to do. Yeah, me too. So let me help. Yes, fine. Help. You can do that by staying out of my way. All right. Well, I'm not going to do that. So how's going to help? You can help by pulling this, and he gives you like the corner of a tarp. <laughs> Alistair does a little yes <laughs> in his head. He's like, ah, I've won. All right. Uh, he pulls. He helps pull the tarp off, uh, and it is what looks like a generator of some kind, like a diesel generator um, that is wired into. There's like uh, cables coming out of it and over the bow and into the Sheila. Which is dry docked here in this this shed, and it seems like All right. uh, you know that this boat had been in storage when you came back to the archipelago fifteen years ago. It's yep. a Sheila, and it seems that Marv has been working on it, trying to get it seaworthy again. The bloody Sheila rides again, mate. All right, when I say go, you punch the button. We'll see if this thing will live. You got and it. He hauls himself up into the um, into the the cabin, and then down below to the engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy is sort of standing with him. He's like. Well, what is happening? This does not seem nearly as... No idea, but I think we just follow along as much as we can till we find out what's going on and then we can help. Counterpoint. Mm. She hefts the, the hatchet. You just give him a little knock him. on the head. Just bonk him and... I've got handcuffs still. We could just sling him over the horse and take him back by force. That's, that's tempting. It's very I'm, tempting. It, it's a backup. It's a backup. It's a backup. I'd like, but I'm, I'd like to find like, out what's going on. She's kind of shaking the, the hatchet in her hand a little bit, like testing them. It's like, I wonder if there's more of those things around. That's what I'm worried about. That didn't look weird to you. That didn't look like anything else I've seen here before. That was from the Fae. I'm, I'm fairly certain that was from the Fae, which it, sh- it shouldn't be possible because the, <sighs> there's no gateway to the the Fae. You can't just go there. You... Another conundrum. Yeah. So I think maybe we just wait to find out exactly what's going on because uh, there's a good chance we, we bonk Marv and then we lose our only ticket out of here potentially. But yeah, True. anything goes wrong, give me old. All right. Um, maybe you should go and stay close to him and I'll press the button. Yeah, all right. Uh, hey, Marv, I'm coming aboard. Nancy will push the button. How about no? How about I'm already on board? I'm, How about I'm... God damn it. Right here. That's... Yep, sounds good. <laughs> uh, he is hunkered down inside... No, Nancy, it's the other one. Yeah, yep, yeah, that one. Uh, Marv is hunkered down inside the the sort of the engine bay at the, the boat. Uh, and you can see that he has done a phenomenal amount of work to get this engine back up and running and you can attest to that by the amount of stuff that has been ripped out of the engine and is now just all over the floor and has been replaced with newer parts. Okay. And he's still muttering to himself. You know, we're a long way from the sea, Marv. No, we're not. The tide's coming in. We've got, he checks uh, a, a watch military style on the inside of his wrist. We've got 15 minutes before it starts coming in. Okay. 15 minutes, we need to be ready to go, because if we're not ready to go, it's going to get us. All right, where are we going? Out. Out where? The, out, Alistair. He's, like, pointing where the sea would be. Out, okay, water, sure, but the sea. When we get to the sea, where are we going? We don't go anywhere when we get out there. We go there, and then it finds us, and then I kill it. Kill what? Or it kills us. Hold on. Are you going on a witch hunt right now? Are that... You- uh, witches or, aren't real. I, it's a figure of speech. 
what he stands up and you can see like one eye is kind of glazed like he's not quite there and the other one is sort of looking at you very fiercely and he he kind of draws himself up he's always been a pretty good deal shorter than you yeah but in this cramped environment the fact that he is bulky and heavy set makes him very imposing Alistair draws back a little bit and kind of uh, maybe there's a bench or something he kind of sits down trying to be as non-threatening as possible and he's like oh are you about to go on a hunt is that what's happening you're gonna go hunt something. Make an opposed dexterity check. Oh no! Oh, not good. Seven. All right. Um, with a six, mm-hmm. he lunges forwards, trying to pin you to the, the the inside hull of the boat. Yep. And you realize that there is a a. It looks like a box cutter knife in his hand. Oh. Um, and you, but you're you're already on your guard, yep. and you slip out from under him, and you kind of shove him against the wall um, yep. and back off yourself. Mm-hmm. And he turns around, knife in hand. You don't want to do this, Marv. No, I don't. But you shouldn't be here, Alistair. I know, but where I am. did you come from? I came from. Or Raven are you Hunt. another one? No, it's me. That's what the last one said, yeah, Alistair. Too many ghosts around here. Too many for my liking. All right. Uh, how can I prove it to you? You can't. Don't prove it. Just go. I'm not going, Mark. Not Which going. one are you, then? He starts kind of sidling towards the engine again. I'm your nephew. Yeah, I know you're Alistair, but which Alistair? The Alistair I abandoned? The Alistair that died? The Alistair that never came back? Which one are you? The Alistair that died? Yes, the... Uh, oh, is that an answer? Great. What? No, no, what do you mean? I never died, I'm right here. Yeah, well, maybe came if pretty I... close, he gestures to his arm. He he waves the box cutter. Yeah, well, we could prove that one way or another. Don't, don't try it. It's not worth it. Too many ghosts. Have I been here before? Yes, many times, you? lots of times, always, everyone. How, how often? He kind of counts on his fingers. What, I don't know. Number six. You're the sixth Alistair to come. Since you left Ravenholm. Do you remember Ravenholm? I remember the town. Yes, I remember okay. the town. Yes. And that was... The sixth like you... Two weeks ago? Your dad came twice. Who else? Sky, months. Okay. Your mum, a couple of times. But they're not real, Alistair, and mm. if you're not real, you'll know that you're not real, but you won't tell me. No, I wouldn't. I come and then they tell me not to go, so that means I have to go. All right, punch it. No, no, hold on. They tell you what? Uh, the engine kicks into life and you suddenly, it's just drowns out anything and he shoves past you and climbs the little ladder up uh, to the deck again. Tell you not to go where? Out, Alistair. They always tell me not to go, but that's why I've got to go. Have you been out before? Is this No. I've been I tried a couple of times, but a rowboat doesn't quite match the tide here. I needed something bigger, something with a real engine. Alistair takes hold of him by the shirt or the jacket, whatever he's holding, and he looks at him. Marv, you know these visits, they weren't real, right? They can't have been real. My mum doesn't live on this island. I know she doesn't live on this island. And I also know that you're probably maybe not dead. So maybe they they are in your mind, right? 
possible. Maybe yes, they're ghosts. Yes, very possible. Great. So might you be. Great. Yeah, maybe I am. If they're in your mind, maybe, maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe it's you trying to tell yourself something. Yeah, I... Yeah, maybe it's you trying to tell yourself... Are you... Not to go out. Is this a Jungian archetype thing? I'm saying... If hey, Carl Jung. <laughs> I'm saying if there's a part of your mind that knows that there's something dangerous out there, wouldn't you try to stop yourself too? If I... He lets go. If I... If I was about to walk into a trap, right? Marv, if I was about to walk into a trap and you knew that I was about to walk into a trap... Wouldn't you stop me? Wouldn't you say, Alistair, don't, don't go there. That's dangerous. You can't do that. You would tell me, right? You can see the, the, he's kind of changing which eye he's looking at you out of. Maybe you're trying to tell yourself something. I have no doubt, Alistair, that I am trying to tell myself many things. But when there's too many voices, it gets hard. He kicks at like a 10-gallon um, bucket that's on the thing, kind of kicks it off of the deck yeah. and uh, down onto the concrete. All right. I'm not here to convince anyone else to do anything. I wouldn't tell you to do anything that you didn't already think you needed to do. It's not about telling other people. It's not about me telling me. Sometimes you've just got to make a move. doesn't matter what move. You've just got to make a move. Besides, he looks out the through the kind of the bow of the ship, um, out through these doors towards the sea, which you can only just see with the the fog. Yep. But the fog does seem to be clearing as you can see the water beginning to lap up into these uh, these launch ramps. That the the sheila is directly in front of one. It won't take much mm-hmm. um, to get like the rollers moving and to push it down and in. All right. Let me try something else, Marv. What? What happened to the sea? Why is it so high? Change. But why? It shouldn't be this uh, far up. Alistair, water displacement. Something else is now in the water and now it's higher. It's the way... Okay. Weights work. But this is pressure. the ocean we're talking no, about. No, it's not... Of course it's the ocean. You haven't seen them, he points out. The pillars. They're big enough and they weren't there before. And they were, and then they weren't, but... I haven't seen them yet, but I, I heard about them. Make a make a perception check for me. So intelligence roll. Uh, natural 12 plus 2. 14. With a 14, with a natural 12, it kind of begins to dawn on you. This isn't actually Marv. It is... Okay. It is very much Marv. He's flesh and blood. He's real. Yeah. But all of this is the most is the worst parts of Mar. This is the yeah. suspicion and the anger, and the the nihilistic, slightly mad too. Yeah, the the thing that doesn't care about anyone else. Yeah, the part of him that is bent on self destruction, no matter what. Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. without metagaming as to what Ernest is dealing with on his end. You feel like something isn't right with Marv, yep. and that you're only seeing part of him. Okay. That somehow this bit of him is in control, and everything else is missing. Yeah. Now he rounds on you. Now I'm going, one way or another. There's no staying here. This land's sinking fast. 
Are you going to come with me? Be a helpful little ghost. Otherwise, I'm leaving you behind. Why Why out to sea? Why not up, further up the hill? Born at sea, I'll die at sea. Why do you have to die? Everyone has to die, Alistair. Eventually. Yes. How do you know... I'm an old man. How do you know it's time now? You're not that old. He, like, slaps uh, the his rib cage, like, right on top of the, the breastbone. Says it's time. He's looking at you through the, like, the one good eye. And when it's time, you know. And then he starts uh, rolling up a rope uh, around uh, his arm and his shoulder. And he's kind of returned into himself muttering. Yeah. Nancy is looking up at you with hands on hips. <laughs> he just kind of shrugs like, like ah, raises an eyebrow. <laughs> well, I can't argue with that, Marv. But I need something from you first. No. Mm. In fact, I don't need anything. Sky needs something from you. Mm-hmm. The real Sky, not not a not a ghost Sky, a real sure. the real Sky. She needs something for you first. What? She needs you to help her build something. No. You you good at bit look, you just you've repaired the Sheila. You're good at building stuff. She no, needs no. help. She's she doesn't need my help. That kid's got more smarts than I ever had and more than you or your mum did. I don't know where she gets it, but it ain't from us. She'll be fine. Uh, yeah, it's not from us. You don't think maybe she wants to see her great uncle one more time? Nope. How do you know that? Uh, what part of when you know you know don't you understand, Alistair? And you can see again every time he's not looking at you or what he's doing, he's looking out at the sea. Yeah. You can know for yourself, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about her. Yes, what if I've she got it, wants got it, to Alistair. see her great uncle again? I'll come back when it's done. If it's done. When it's done. Alistair sits down. Marv, we both know you're not coming back. Good. Great. That's settled. Can we stop having this conversation now? No. Why not? Because my daughter wants to see her uncle again. Wonderful. I want a pony. Difference is, I don't have a pony. No, you do. There's a horse out there. That's a, it's, a, it's a big horse. So? My point is, you actually can make that wish happen. It's no, you. I can't, Alistair, because I'm not me. Really? No. Really? I'm not. Really? If I, all right. He, he like, because he throws down the rope and he, like, gets quite close and he, like, stoops down to where you're sitting. Yeah. And he's getting, like, really close to your face. Yeah. Look at me, Alistair. If I show up how I am now, only part of me here, do you think Sky's really going to want to see that? Probably not. No. So where's the rest of you? The rest of me's out there, Alistair. One way or another. Like okay. I said, rescue mission. Okay. Now, whatever's in here, he's pointing at his chest, he's telling me I don't have much time and I've got to get out there. And up here, he's pointing to his brain, tells me that there's something out there that wants to eat me. I don't know if they're the same thing. But I got two pieces of information and they both point that way. All right. So 
When did the rest of you leave? Oh, I don't know. Time gets screwy. <clears throat> I know, but what happened? Was there some was there some event that triggered it? Do you remember? Yeah, no. No. Just happened. Well, just woke I... up one morning and you were different. Yes. I woke up one morning and I knew that I didn't have time. Wasn't time left. That's what I came here for. I was looking for something for you. There was something you needed, something you wanted, and I had had it here or at the house. The laptop. That's what it was. That's the that one. was the laptop that you I went to go get that. But then by the time I got here, it didn't seem that important anymore. And suddenly, out there, that's where I needed to be. Where is it now? The laptop. Is it here or is it still back home? No, I don't know. You don't remember? I went home first and then I came here, so... You don't remember where it is, or could you not find it? I don't remember. I don't remember whether I couldn't find it or if it okay. stopped remembering. Okay. Now, engine's running. I think there's one more thing that needs duct tape, and then we're good to go. And he starts shuffling off again. Alistair lets him go this time. He sits on this, probably just a crate or something, pile of rope, something. Kind of looks down at his feet on the deck for a second, and then... Stands up, looks over the side. Hey, Nancy. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about a trip out to sea? Terrifying, but also I haven't been off land in more than a decade, so no time like the present. We cut back to Ernest as he regains consciousness. Ernest, where are you this time? Ernest is back at the dining room table with Marv. Uh, he still doesn't know where Puck is. Puck is there this time, there this but time? the dog is there also. The dog is on its own chair. Okay. It has a like a porcelain bowl at the table that it's eating out of. Ernest goes through a cupboard and uh, pulls out the, the checker set again. And places on Listeners, the table. Uh, for, the, for, the, for the record of the courts, I would like to say that Chester has now produced an actual checkerboard. Alrighty-roo. Do you want uh, black or white? Uh, I'll go with black. Well, it's pretty dusty. I haven't used it for a while. Yeah? You don't have visitors much? No, not these days. Why's that? And just don't. All right, uh, is it chess rules? Does white go first or does black go first? I don't remember. You go first. Don't think that's how you move. I think he has to go angular. For anyone wondering, <laughs> this is this is actually happening right now. Um, so Marv, what do you what do you mostly get around to when we are around? Oh, you know this and that. Uh, a bit of reading, a bit of cooking. Not much. Hmm. Do you see Alistair much? Who? Alistair. Oh, my nephew. Yeah. Hmm. No. No, I haven't seen him in a little while. Me and his uh, his dad don't get along great, so I tend to stay away from that side of the family. Oh, really? I thought you guys were getting on rather well nowadays. No, no. Mallory and I have never really seen eye to eye. Uh, him being a civil servant and all. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you can see, by the way, that this is a much. This does seem like a much younger Marv. Yeah. The, there's no grey in his hair. If you were to pick it, he's probably in his his 
early, early 30s. Does, he looks younger than when Ernest met him the first time? Yeah, much younger. Yeah. Um, and he looks like he's in much better shape physically. He looks quite strong yeah. uh, and and quite heavily muscled, actually. Uh, it looks like he's probably not long after his days as a sailor. Hmm. How's the Sheila, Marv? Sheila's good. Still haven't quite put it back together right. Hmm. Yeah, I'll get there one day. Gotta find the parts. Hmm. Your turn. Um, so back to my little uh, puzzle thing we were talking about earlier. You remember that? No. I was talking about a, a puzzle before, uh, and you you were quite helpful with it. I was wondering if you could give me some more idea on how to solve this little puzzle. You know, he's he kind of rubs the the back of his ear. He's like, Nah, I don't really think I want to. I think I gave you all the advice I had. You see, you didn't remember it. I don't. What advice did you give me then? What was the question? On the little puzzle. Uh, the the scene around you changes and you're once again in front of the fire with a book uh, and Marv is in the kitchen. Uh, Ernest closes the book and returns to the kitchen table and moves to the next piece. Yeah, that little puzzle, remember? That being stuck in the same spot. Marv turns around and What? Puzzle? puzzle you were giving me some advice on. Oh, yes, to just stay out of it. Just, you know, put the puzzle down. There's no no sense solving anything that can't be solved any other way. Ernest moves a piece and takes off one of Marv's. So taking yourself off the board, really. Yeah. He removing yourself from it. Scratches behind his ear again. Hmm. Yeah, no, there's no sense moving if you don't have to. But what if you do have to? What if the puzzle can only be solved by going forwards? Mm, don't solve the puzzle. What if everything depended on the puzzle? What if you would get a million dollars if you solve what the puzzle? What if he, he like puts the, the pot down quite forcefully? What if the puzzle just goes away? What if you just don't deal with the puzzle? What if the puzzle doesn't matter that much? What if you just get on with your life without a puzzle? What if you enjoy the puzzle? What if you don't? I asked you first. I don't. But I'm saying, what if you did? But I don't, so I can't. So I can't tell you. But what if you did? If I did enjoy the puzzle, then I would have solved it. Mm-hmm. Because it shouldn't the, be what, that hard. And yeah, so then if it's not that hard, what would the answer be? What was the question? If you're stuck somewhere, how do you get out? You leave. How would you leave? However. Mm-hmm. So take yourself off the board. If you can, and if you can't, then you stay put. And what if there are things stopping you from getting off the board? I think we're talking around in circles. There's nothing to stop you leaving. But in a puzzle, there's always things to stop you from just getting the answer like that. Yes, but those things go away in time. You know, you're not you're not a kid forever. There aren't always the same things in place. Circumstances change and you can leave. That's not how a puzzle works. The borders of a puzzle never change. A crossword's question doesn't disappear because you wait long enough. It always needs to be answered. I don't know what you're saying anymore. The rules and boundaries of a puzzle will always remain. You can change your perspective and that can take some time, but the puzzle remains. Those things don't disappear the longer you wait. He sits down at the table. I think you're trying to convince yourself, not me. I know how to get through the puzzle. 
then why do you feel the need to tell anyone else what to do? Because he takes three of Marv's pieces. It's fun to chat. It's fun to work these things out. Mm, it's fun to tell other people what they should do with their lives when you don't even have that much experience yourself. I mean, we're talking about puzzles. No, we're not, are we? He suddenly gets serious. And make a perception check for me. Is that intelligence? Yeah. Uh, it's a 10. All right. With a 10, you are getting the sense whatever weird daydream world that you are in that is so powerfully affecting even the reality that you're experiencing is obviously not all of Marv. Mm -hmm. This Marv is far too patient with you. This Marv is... The Marv you're used to does a lot of ranting and a lot of exasperated gesturing. This Marv has begin, begun to show a little bit of it, but what you're seeing as you look at him is the kindest pieces of him that you've seen and hiding under that the scaredest. And you can see as he visibly kind of shrinks into himself, the more you keep asking, the more he just wants all of this to go away. Ernst takes three more pieces. Well, I mean, that's the thing with puzzles is it's almost, it's always so much more satisfying when you finish them because then you can put them away. So why don't you help me with this? We can solve it and then we're done. It's not my puzzle. It is now. He looks at you and then his eyes glaze a little bit. It's not my puzzle. It's not my puzzle. It's not my puzzle. You can't put it away, Marv. I won't let you. Roll for me. Uh, that's, uh, sticks my anything to it? Is it intelligence or uh, combat? Uh, arcana or intelligence. Arcana, uh, so that's another 10. All right, you, you notice again as you say, I'm not going to let you, that he rubs behind his ear again. And you feel in the same ear of your own, you feel like a, a twinge of pain. Ernest hears a voice in his head say, that's mine. And Ernest is going to reach out and like grab behind Marv's ear. All right. You, while your eyes can confirm that there's nothing there, your fingers land on something cold and wriggling. Ernest is going to close his I hand. I knew it! And tear out whatever's there. All right. You rip it out and it, there is a horrible high-pitched squealing sound. Uh, and very suddenly, uh, Marv drops to the ground, unconscious. And in your hand, even though it's hard for your eyes to focus, is it on yellow? It, is this wriggling? Do you want it to be yellow? I just I feel like oh, it's going to be yellow. It, it, it's not the thing from Benilios. No, they had the implant thing there. No. Oh yeah, it's this wriggling centipedal worm type character. Character, this centipedal worm type creature. Um, that is thrashing wildly, and you can see this blood uh, dripping from one end of it. Uh, Ernest crushes it in his hand and goes to his own. Yeah, you feel the same thing behind your ear that's trying to snap and bite at you, and as you pull it, you can feel this uh, hole open up in the back of your head behind your ear. And as you pull it out, you can feel these little pincers rip out, and you 
just get a massive migraine all of a sudden as you pull this thing off you. Ernest crushes this one again, and he hears that voice in his head again saying, Mine was synthesized from the similar venom, but uh, not the uh, living creature. Ernest frowns a bit. Right? And as you do so, your eyes flicker, your vision goes blurry, you feel incredibly sick, and you kind of put your hands out to stabilize yourself on the table. And as you open your eyes again, uh, gone is the warm glow, gone is the lit fire, gone is the sweater, you're in uh, a near derelict shack. Uh, There is water from the rain dripping in through a hole in the ceiling. Uh, You can see uh, Marv, who is still very young uh, looking, collapsed on the floor. But the house around you, the idealised, warm, pleasant environment is gone and you are again wearing your own clothes. Uh, and Puck is unconscious on the floor with another one of these things behind her ear. Erst quickly goes over and tears the one out from her and crushes it as well. Yeah. Uh, he's going to take the radio from her and flick it on. Bring, bring. Alistair. Ernest. Alistair. Yeah. We've got Marv. So do I. Crap. I- I'm here with Marv. I've He's... got I've got like a twenty year younger Marv. I've got a much older, worse looking Marv. I've got a really happy. Hold on, hold on, hold Marv. on! Don't tell me. I've had I have a theory. Uh huh. Brainworms. Yeah, yeah. I just pulled mine out and pulled Puck's out as well. She's unconscious. Marv's unconscious. And I would like BJ Ingate here would like to state that I have Marv has a brain worm written on my pad (laughs) that I wrote down before Aubrey revealed. I figured it out. I figured the puzzle out. Literally, I was like, "What would I do?" Mm, That's what I would do. Mm, Yeah. Okay. All right. uh, Here's what I think. I think I think it's brain worm stuff, but I think somehow Marv's the Marv's. The Marvises have been split, and we need to like bring them together. That's to what make I was thinking. Whole. Maybe let me check if mine has a brain worm. Yeah, I'm gonna try and get Puck and him back to like the main point that we split off from. Don't go with him wherever he's going. All right, he's gonna try and like I don't know, take you to his house or something like that. Or the keep, ocean. Keep you stuck in his routine. You got to break him from it and get back. Otherwise, you're trapped with him. Also, maybe check yourself too. Behind your ear. Nancy, plan B! Uh, and does Nancy bonk him on the head? Uh, Nancy can try. All right, Ernest out. Have fun. Thanks, man. What did you roll? I rolled a five. No, you rolled an 11. I'm going to use my prescience to substitute your roll, uh, Nancy's roll, for an 11. Ooh, I'm going to put the checkerboard away. <laughs> Chester really did take how many pieces of Aubrey's? Uh, one, two, playing. three, four, five, six, that seven. That helps. You, you're on the phone. You hear a scuffle below you. Yep. Um, you hear a, the crack of Nancy's, um, the, like the flat side of Nancy's. You get him? Yeah, I got him. Good job. Alistair's going to go down below and see what damage has been caused. Yeah, you can see there's quite a, a mess and okay. Marv is still moving though. He's All like right. hands and knees. I'm going to go to his, and I guess, Al- wait, did you say check behind his ear? I don't think you did. He did. Oh, yeah. I said check yourself as well. Yep. So Alistair uh, is first going to go to Marv and like check his ears. Nothing there. Uh, he's going to feel as well. Yeah. No, there's nothing. All right. Um, and same thing. He's going to grab behind his own ear and feel if there's anything there. Nothing there. Nancy, check behind your ears. She does. Nothing. Um, so is he like 
still conscious? Yeah, he's conscious, but he's groggy and in pain. All right. Um, cuff him. All right. That's okay. I'm going to take that. He reaches and grabs the box cutter. I'm going to keep that. All right, you handcuff him. Ernest, you're still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm just dragging your wife out. Oh, no, okay, hands under the water. Oh, no. <laughs> you, be, you be careful with her. Because <laughs> um, she won't... Oof. Okay, I've gone on the beach. Uh, that's good. I'm going back for Marv. All right, um, listen... No brain worms here. This is the real Marv. There's something missing, but this is Marv. Well, I've got the real Marv too. I mean, he's alive. <sighs> Hold on. Are you at the coast? No, I'm at his house. It's been flooded. It's like a little beach thing here. All the trees are dead from all the salt water. Okay, well, we have the Sheila here. Yeah. So we could potentially come... We could just sail around to near Marv's house and... Yeah, I'll have to... I have to get the Pick horses and get them through the the brush, but ah, the horses, yeah. And how they how the horses fare on sand? Are they going to get no, stuck or something? They'll be fine. Um, yeah, yeah. If you could get, if you could, ah, the horses is the problem. Ah. What if you landed here? What if I? What if I sound off a flare, and you come to the point of the the flare, and you just make your way through the bush? And we work away because you're not going to be able to bring the Sheila back to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our horses. Yeah. All right. Well, I know, I know how to get to Marv's house, so you don't really okay. need to. Yeah, we'll come to you. All right. All right, Nancy. All right. Marv, um, you're coming with us. You can be conscious, or Nancy can hit you on the head again. He looks up at you through the one good eye. Alistair, if you don't let me go, it's going to kill me. I don't have time. It's do or die. Right now. That tide's coming in. And I'm going out with it. Can I roll inside? Mm -hmm. Is that uh, uh, intelligence? Yep. I guess. Yep. That's four. I I think he's telling the truth, I guess. You think he's... No. You you think that he's rambling. Yep. Whether it's true, whether it's not, doesn't matter. It's just rambling. Marv, I want to try and find the rest of you. And I, I don't think the rest of you is out at sea that's where you're wrong I'm not going to stop you from going out to sea but we've got to find the rest of you first and I know where it is no you don't Alistair you think you do but you really don't there's a lot of things you were never told there's a lot of things you don't know too Marv yep and I'm aware of that that's not your fault as he's trying to pull himself up (laughs) I I let him try and pull himself up because he's still handcuffed to the floor so to the floor or like like something some piece of okay. machinery or whatever because I assume he's like sitting down well right? I thought Nancy would have just handcuffed his hands because you were about to try and move him so he wouldn't she no would have handcuffed I, I, him to I imagine that she handcuffed him to that before I was like we need to move him okay but that, either way you are stopped in your tracks Alistair mm-hmm. by a sound that you haven't heard in a while it's the rippling cracked thunder very close Normally when there are storms, it's something that you hear the thunder, but it's far away and muffled by the fog. Here, it's the loudest you've heard it in a decade. Right. Okay. Time's running out, boy. How is that possible? How is what possible? The lightning. That's never happened before. Not for a long time. 
The weather's been screwed up for years. We're closer here. To what, Marv? The sea? Yes. And? The sea. Well, that's where everything starts, doesn't it, Alistair? Everything starts in the sea. Ernest, we cut back to you. You are hauling Puck up and she is slowly <laughs> regaining consciousness very groggily. Um, you have pulled her out yeah. through Marv's yard. Yeah, and he's going to lean her up against a tree and he's on his way. He's like left her now. He's on his way back to get Marv. When you return to the house, Marv is standing again. And uh, see- like, like starts to take the um, lantern off and like hold it by the handle, like prepared to just swing it. <laughs> um, but Marv, Marv is not paying attention to you. Marv has gone to the fireplace and he's retrieved one of the pokers uh, and he's now down by the kitchen stove and he's jamming it into the woodwork. The piece of timber that like boxes in uh, the exhaust fan above the stove, uh, he's jamming it into that and he's ripping the timber apart. Ernest pulls I Came his, back for something. Ernest pulls his I knew there was something. puts it behind him. Hey, Marv. Yeah, yeah, just a second. Do you know who I am? Mm, he looks around at you. Are you a spook? No. Fed? No. Mailman? No. Ernest. I don't know you then. Oh. He keeps jimmying it back and there's a crack in the wood. He goes, ah, there it is. He puts his hand into the gap and pulls out the laptop. The Ilios briefcase laptop. Can I roll for something? Mm-hmm. Four. Ernest, like convulses a little bit as he sees it. His eyes like flicker a little bit and he falls to his knees, almost like throwing up. And he has to like bangs his head a few times against the floor and like flicks his neck up and like grabs his head and like pulling his hair back. Nope. I'm in control. I'm in control. Hey, buddy. You want to glass of water yes why is everything so messy in here he's looking around I needed this for something you need that for Alistair what would Alistair want with this it's his he found it originally I was gonna fix it for Alistair that's what I was gonna do that's right and then there is a crack and a peal of thunder and Marv slowly turns from you to look out the window towards down through the trees to where the water is. That doesn't seem right. What, Marv? That shouldn't be there. And What's he starts that? walking past you out into the yard. Marv? Marv! And you can hear Puck shouting after him as Marv is stumbling, laptop in hand, through the trees heading towards the water. Uh, and it goes after him, kind of clutching his side as he's starting to feel like he's having like heart palpitations yeah. right now. And it's like his leg is kind of going a bit numb and he's like one eye is kind of going in and out of focus. Puck catches up with you and she puts an arm kind of around your shoulders and up underneath your, um, your armpit to kind of support you and start pulling you along as she's trying to catch up with Marv as well. We cut to... A thing we've never done in Dark Tides before. Ooh. A split screen. If you will imagine with me, listeners. Ooh, very nice. On the left hand is an old Marv, uh, careworn and withered one eye, uh, Milky, 
On the other side is a young man, full of hopes and dreams, but now disturbed by something strange happening to him. We cut from both those images to the identical image of the sea as lightning flashes over it through the fog and the pillars are revealed in silhouette. We cut again to Alistair's face on the one hand, Ernest's on the other as lightning illuminates them. And we cut back to Marv, both sides of his face near matching. One old, one young. Nancy, I think we've got to let him... I think we've got to let him go to the sea. That think, sounds like a terrible idea. I agree. It's a terrible idea, but I think whatever split him is there. I think he's got to go. Damn it. I think if, I think if we don't let him... Yeah, okay, fine. All right, handcuff him together and we'll... Oh, handcuff his hands together and we'll... Do you ever feel like you're just out of your depth oh, all the time? the time! Yeah, me too. Oh, I hate time travel. <laughs> all right, Marv, let's get you up. Come on, Marv. Uh, Ernest, still his kind of eyes flickering a little bit, uh, he falls to the ground and he calls to Puck to, to keep going as he lands in the sand. Uh, the radio crackles to life. Ernest, you there? Ernest is like convulsing like he's having a seizure. His one kind of like good eye centered in on the radio. Ernest? He just starts to like shake a bit on the ground and he starts to punch the sand a few times uh, I'm going to roll again Ernest come in 8 Ernest gasps and the shaking stops and he flicks on the radio yeah what I think we have to let him go to the sea I know what you're going to say yeah but- one's going to the sea anyway he's running along the beach yeah I think I, I I'm think- catching back up now he gets up and starts running after Punk are you, are you alright what yeah, happened yeah no, I'm fine you sure I had a seizure I'm alright I'm right. Is it Allah? Yeah, he's trying to get out. We've got the laptop. You've got the laptop? We've got the laptop. Well, Marv has the laptop and he's going towards the water. Okay, let's not let the laptop go into the ocean. I think he needs to go into the water, though. Yes. Yeah, keep the laptop dry. I'm going to get I'm gonna get my Marv to the ocean, too. I think what it, there's something... We've never had lightning on the coast, ever, since the mist. So there's something going on. I think we have to let him get to the ocean. So I'm going to do that with mine. We might lose him, but I think it's the only chance. Ernest shouts out to Puck, switching off the radio. Get the laptop! Puck is is regaining speed, and she barrels for Marv, and she, like, tackles him uh, around the arm, swings him around and dislodges him from the laptop, but it barely seems to matter as she crashes to the ground with it into the sand. This isn't really a beach. This is more like a point where the land just is forested right to the edge and then descends into the water. So there's, yeah, 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 it's a tangle of roots and debris and things that have washed up and they're kind of the more water-loving plants as Marv, uh, kind of disheveled but not caring, begins to wade his way out into the water. All right, Nancy, take the cuffs off or he'll drown. Let's let him go. Uh, He's not, your Marv, the older Marv, is not interested in wading. He's getting into the boat and he's beginning frantically to try and launch the boat on his own. No, Marv, we're going we're gonna to take you down to the water's edge. No, no, I need the boat. We're going further. All right, all right, we're taking the boat. All right, uh, take the cuffs off. It's a process, but you launch the Sheila, and as it crashes down uh, into the oncoming tide, 
uh, the three of you are on board as it begins to crash up through the new breaking waves. And for the first time in over a decade, you head out onto the water, Alistair. Ernest speeds past Puck as she's starting to clamber up as he leaves, like his uh, big coat like flying off his arms and his hat going with him as he crashes into the water as well and starts going after Marv. Mar, yeah, Marv seems to be heading and make her perception check for the action. Uh, two plus four, six. Right, with a six. Uh, with a, a six is enough. You, you can't see what Marv seems to be seeing. But what you do see, Ernest, is far off in the fog. Much higher than there should be. There is a blip of light. And then another blip. And then another blip. I hope you know where you're going, Marv. Oh, don't worry, Alistair, I know. I've been heading there my whole life. One way or another, out in the fog, at a higher altitude than there should be, you see the blip, blip, blip of a yellow light breaking through the fog. The lighthouse. The fire is crackling against this sort of this. Sorry, this is. I'm not interrupting you. I promise. Um, I mean, I think you'll find. I, that you are. Uh, well, if you look at it from, if you stand on the ceiling, you have to understand the ramifications of has, your actions. He touches a rea- uh, a nuclear reactor and he gets new powers. I think Cancel. we'll just literally. He gets cancer. <laughs> What's it's your like, superpower? Ernest gets a lantern. What does Alistair get? Cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, not even not even that. It's like tonsillitis. <laughs> Permanent. They're like, hey, hey, guys. This is my superpower.